The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Awesome to be together. If you are new here for the first time, checking out our online service, I want to say a big hi to you. My name is Lewis. I'm one of the pastors here, and I trust you're going to find this service and this message as we come around God's Word really, really helpful. Also, a massive shout out to each of our PCC dads. Happy Father's Day to you. I hope you've already been spoiled since you didn't have to rush to church this morning. Maybe you had breakfast in bed, or maybe you've got something planned this afternoon. But again, happy dad's day to each of you it's a special special day well because it is father's day we thought that it'd be good to do a standalone sermon on how our heavenly father sees us and so this is what i've entitled the message in our father's eyes and so we're really going to consider the important theme of identity today who we are whose we are and so if you've got your bible close by please reach for it and turn to a really encouraging rich chapter in a wonderful book and that is first peter chapter one so if you've got your bible first peter we're going to look at the first chapter some really interesting encouraging inspiring verses in this first chapter of peter's first epistle so reading from verse one peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's where we're going to camp out, just that phrase, that part there, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. There's so much in this and we're going to unpack it. Through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Receive that this morning, church. God's grace and peace, which is abundant. This abundant provision of grace and peace through Christ. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now just drop down to verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Why? For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Let's pray. Father, on this Father's Day morning, would you help us see ourselves the way you truly see us in Christ, Lord? Because of our union with Jesus through our faith in Christ, you see us a certain way and we want to see ourselves this way. And so I pray, Lord God, that you would help me preach this word, Lord God, from this great book, 1 Peter. 
And I pray, oh God, that you would encourage each person at home, not only dads, but everyone, Lord, because we all need to know our true identity in Christ. And so, Father, I pray all this in his blessed name, Jesus' name. Amen. Well, right at the end of Peter's book here, this first epistle, he states the main reason for writing. He says in chapter 5, verse 12, these words, My purpose in writing is to encourage you or to strengthen you, to fortify your faith. And of course, the reason why he had to write and do this to encourage them is because these Christians were struggling. They were experiencing a lot of hostility and pushback and persecution. And so Peter writes to encourage them. Now the question is, how does he encourage them? What does he actually say? Well, he says a lot of awesome things in this first letter, which can really be summarized in one word, this one word that we're considering today, and that is identity. Identity. You see, in Peter's mind, it needs to be in our minds as well, there's a correlation, there's a connection between knowing who you are and actually how you live. In other words, if we know our identity, like who we really are in Christ, then we will more likely be secure Christians, having a spiritually healthy life, because identity and certainty, identity and security go together. They're best friends. But if we don't really know our true identity, then we're going to struggle. Lots of things are going to get the better of us. We're going to be down. Of course, the devil's attacks, his accusations might get the better of us if we don't really know who we are. And so to know our identity brings about a certain grounding, a certain level of confidence and stability. And so this morning on this Good Friday, uh, Good Father's Day morning, Good Friday, not there yet, uh, Father's Day morning, we're going to think about a true identity. And so I've entitled this message, as you know, In Our Father's Eyes. A bit of an Eric Clapton ripoff, if you know the song, but I trust you're going to find this really helpful. And so this is the plan. We're going to look at three identity markers. Three, three things that are true of each believer because of their union, because of our union with Christ, due to our faith in Jesus. So this is the first. We are known by God. We are known by God. Let's go to the text. Verse 2 here of Peter chapter 1. He says, who or you have been chosen. Now we're going to look at the chosen bit in just a minute. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now everyone at home say the foreknowledge of God the Father. All right, kids, your turn. The foreknowledge of God the Father. Excellent. Now, does that sound flash, the foreknowledge of God the Father? It doesn't sound very flash. doesn't sound very appealing, attractive. But let me tell you, when you unpack what Peter means here, when he says the foreknowledge of God the Father, this is staggering. One writer by the name of D. Edmund Herbert, he unpacks this for us, and this is really awesome. He says, foreknowledge does not imply mere intellectual apprehension. Of course, it includes that, implies that, because God knows all things, right? From all eternity past, he knew what was going to happen in eternity future. Every single fact about every single person. So that's true, but when related or applied to the Christian, it also indicates an active and affectionate desire to bless. This is the foreknowledge of God that Peter is talking about here in our passage. It is this warm-hearted desire to bless. Now, 
I want you to try and wrap your heads around this because this is meant to encourage us. Try and cast your mind. You won't be able to do this, but try at least. Cast your mind back, back, back to all eternity past, okay? Before the existence of the material cosmos where only God existed. The Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect unity, perfect relationship, perfect love. And Peter is telling us here that this love, this affection for us, right? Because we're the people of God, existed in God's heart, which is remarkable. We were always on God's heart. We've always been on God's mind, always on his heart. Now, how does that make you feel? Confused? <laughs> but, but secure. Hopefully it makes you feel secure because this is our identity. We are known by God. And this knowing never had a beginning. Why? Because God never had a beginning. God has always existed. And this love, this affectionate desire to bless has always been on the heart of God, in the heart of God for us, his people, which is staggering, which is mind-blowing. It's profound. But it gets better. Second, we have been chosen by God. So this is our identity. We're known by God, but also we've been chosen by God. He selected us. He thinks we're special. Let's go back to the passage here. Verse 2, or we can back up to verse 1 where he says, to God's elect or God's chosen. Peter's one of his favorite terms. He also says in chapter 2, verse 9, we are a chosen people. But here, let's just unpack verse 2. He says, who have been chosen chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. You know, sometimes you have a desire to do someone good, something good for someone else, but sometimes that desire just remains a desire. You don't actually follow through. But this is not what we're being told here about God's desire to bless. His foreknowledge, it triggered his selection of us. His affection triggered his election and now we are his. Now again, this is an absolute marvel when you try and wrap your head around this. Before you and I had done anything good or bad, before the stars were formed, before the sun was given its heat, we were not only loved by God, but selected by God, chosen before the creation of the world. In Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, we're told very, something very similar. It says, in love, God predestined us to be his adopted children through Christ according to the pleasure and his will, according to his heart. He just was thrilled to choose you and to choose me, which is remarkable. You know, this doctrine for some creates some confusion, like some question marks, this idea of being selected, elected, predestined by God. But in the New Testament, it is always given as a pastoral truth, a pastoral doctrine, which means, of course, it's meant to encourage us. And it does. Let me tell you, this doctrine, God's predestining love, has always encouraged me. When I've been oppressed, when I've been down, when I've been a bit hard on myself, I always reflect on this, or the Holy Spirit reminds me of this truth, and it just brings this stability to my heart. And it's supposed to do this for you as well. Our first, second, third, a hundredth response to this incredible doctrine that we are known by God and chosen by God ought to be worship. Sheer word of wonder saying, wow, God, how incredible you are that you would choose a sinner like me. And he has. 
our first response, hundredth response, ought to be wow, not how. We are allowed to ask questions like, how does this make sense? Why that? Why that? But, but only after worship, only after these truths have really strengthened us and given us this new sense of stability and security. And so this is our identity. We're known by God, we're chosen by God, and here's the third identity marker. We've also been favoured by God. So now we're thinking about the here and now, the things that we have because of our faith in Christ, like right here, space, time, the things that we get to enjoy, or at least these things we're supposed to enjoy. Peter, he specifies three particular favours or or three blessings that are supposed to affirm us beyond the stars. Here's the first one. We have a new existence, this whole new existence. Let's go to the text, verse 3 here. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, right, mercy is a favour word. It's, this is his pity, this is his compassion, this is what he's given us. He has given us, okay, it's in our possession, we're never going to lose it. He's given it to us, what? New birth. New birth or new life. This is where I'm getting the idea of new existence. This is talking about regeneration, being born again. We are not the same people. We have had the Holy Spirit come into us to breathe his new existence into us, this new life into us, and we are not the same. You see, this is remarkable when you think about it. And I think sometimes we can lose sight of the wonder of this particular truth, regeneration, that we have this new existence. We're told it was God's mercy that gave it to us because obviously we were dead in our sin. We were dead in our religious sin, irreligious sin. We were dead in our self-righteous, unrighteous sin. We were dead, dead, dead. We couldn't lift one spiritual finger to lift ourselves out of our dire spiritual situation. We existed in death and our eternal existence without Christ would have been hell which is which is terrible and yet because of God's grace we have this new existence I remember when I was born again I realized that I'd been living in black and white but when I came to Christ I realized wow I I saw the light the the world completely different like in technicolor I saw things completely different in a renewed sense and this is due to God's incredible favor and so we get to enjoy this new existence which will never cease to exist which takes us to the second blessing or favor which is this we have a bright future again the text in his great mercy he has given us new birth into this living hope that living hope that's a future word through the resurrection of Jesus Christ in other words we have this hope and this hope is rock solid and it's nothing to do with crossing your fingers that's not Christian hope at all that's something else Christian hope is this certainty we have this bright future why do we have this certainty why are we to be so secure and certain about this well because it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ Jesus is alive and alive forevermore it's a historical fact a historical reality he is to die no longer he is forever alive and now where is he well he's in glory keeping this inheritance or heaven for us safe and sound we have a glorious future you know someone said life without Christ is a hopeless end but life with Christ is an endless hope and this is our future this endless hope with Christ 
this new place, this inheritance, and he unpacks for us this inheritance. He says this inheritance will never perish, never perish, which means it will never be tarnished by sin. Never, ever, ever. Sin will not be allowed in glory. He goes on, this inheritance will never spoil. That is, it will never be cheapened in any way. This inheritance will never fade. Its beauty, its joy will never, ever fade. It will never wither. Heaven will be like this flower that's always in bloom. Why? Why is this inheritance, these wonderful things? Because our Christ, our God, will never be spoiled. He will never fade. He will never perish. He's the resurrected one, and he keeps this inheritance in heaven, safe and sound for us. This is the best real estate in the world. And this is our future. And you know, if we only meditate more on this future, certain things will happen to us as Christians. Number one, we'll become more generous because we won't say, oh, this is all I've got, you know. I've got to clutch onto these things. We won't be that way. That won't be our posture or our attitude because we'll say, we've got this glorious future. It's awesome, which should cause us to open our hands in generosity, to extend the kingdom of God, to be about justice in the world. In addition, not only will we be generous, but I think we'll be more tenacious as well. Tenacious because we all know because of the pandemic, things suck. This life does suck. It can be really hard. But when we realize we have this future, we won't lose heart. We'll be able to go through these hard times because we will know, yes, it is difficult now, but I've got this bedrock in Christ. He's keeping this inheritance in heaven for me and nothing's going to take it away from me. And this inheritance is this awesome reality that I'll enjoy for all eternity. So we are highly favoured by God because we have this new existence that will never cease to exist and we will never cease to exist in this glorious place, this new inheritance, heaven. We have this bright future. And third, we have a strong protector. God is our mighty warrior. He keeps us. He's our great deliverer and he protects us all the way to heaven. I love this. In verse 4 he says, this inheritance is kept. That word kept is a military term. It means to garrison. It means to protect or to keep, you know, secure. God is the ultimate security guard. I won't go into that. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, right? So heaven is kept for us, safe and sound. But in addition, verse 5, who through faith are, listen, shielded by God's power. We are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So listen, this is awesome. This should make us feel really secure and safe. Heaven is being kept by God's power for us. But in addition to that, we, by God's power, are being kept for heaven. And so God is keeping heaven for us and he's keeping us for heaven. And no sin is going to ruin that ultimately. The devil can't destroy us. He can't frustrate ultimately the plan of God here. This is set. God's plan is set. He's shielding us by his power and his power is an almighty power. And so again, you and I should feel very secure. This is who we are. We are known by God. We're chosen by God. We're favored by God. He is our heavenly protector, our mighty warrior king. We're in him and so we're to hide under the shadow of his wings, says the Psalms. So, how do you feel? 
You should feel secure. I feel secure. Gosh, we need to preach these truths to ourselves. We need to pound our true Christian identity into our hearts. We are known, we are chosen, and we are highly favoured. And so this is who we are in our Father's eyes. Now, I'm tempted, I was tempted to kind of just end the sermon there, to hang up now. But, you know, I think we need to consider just real quickly how we're to respond to our Heavenly Father. All right? How we're to live before His eyes. We've been thinking about okay, who we are in His eyes, but, but how are we to respond to all that we've seen? I've considered and mentioned a few things, but in particular, Paul, or sorry, I say Peter, highlights three things here in our passage. Number one, dependence. Dependence. Verse 5, let's go back there. He says, who through faith are shielded by God's power. He's talking about our faith. Yes, God is the protector, as we've seen. God is shielding us, as we've seen. He's keeping heaven for us and us for heaven, as we've seen. But we have a part to play. We are to be responsible, and that is we are to depend on him. You know, this this kind of idea out there, you know, just let God, uh, let go, let God. You know, that's not biblical. It's not what we find in Scripture, not what we find in the New Testament. What we find is God won't let us go. And so our response is not to let God go either. We're to depend on Him by communing with Him, by praying, by worshipping, by staying close to Him. Not this whole idea of letting go and letting God. I love what Proverbs says about this. I think Proverbs gets this right. Of course it gets it right. It's the Bible. Proverbs 18 verse 10 says this, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. All right, the name that conveys his attributes, his characteristics, and when you know his attributes, well, you know him, and it's like a fortified, strong castle, like this refuge, this tower. Now notice, that's God's part. He's our mighty protector and warrior, but the righteous run to it and are safe. This is our responsibility. We've got this strong tower, which is God. Our responsibility is to run. That is to depend on God, to rely on Him, to trust in Him. And so if we do that, wow, then we will be shielded completely until the very end and we will be saved and we will enjoy all the things that we've looked at in this sermon. So that's the first thing, dependent. Second, Obedience. Now, dependence, of course, is a ty- an aspect of obedience. But in particular, Peter highlights this here in verse 2. After telling us that we've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, he adds, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. We have been chosen in order to be obedient. That really this is the, the fruit of our election. We show that we have been born again by obeying our King and obeying our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's no obedience, then that's just cheap grace, all right? Because dependence without obedience, that's cheap grace. Obedience without dependence, that's graceless religion. That's just ritualism. No, we need both. We need dependence and we need obedience. Obedience coming out of this heart of dependence, which will please God because it will be from the heart. Again, Peter says in verse 14, he says, as obedient children, picking up this whole idea of obedience again, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. You know, the great 17th century Puritan, John Owen, he said, for the Christian, they need to kill sin, otherwise sin will be killing them. That's to be our relationship with sin. 
We're not to see sin, these evil desires that Peter talks about here as a puppy dog to play with or a pussycat to stroke. We're to see sin as a ferocious, or should I say lion? Yeah, ferocious lion or venomous snake that needs decapitating. This is really Jesus' imagery here. You know, you've got to gouge out the eye, you've got to cut off the hand. In other words, you've got to take drastic, ruthless measures against sin. We've got to be killing it, putting the misdeeds of the flesh to death, we're told in Romans chapter 8 verse 13. This is our response. It ought to be this, this response of obedience. Yeah, depending, 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 and also obeying, obeying, obeying as we live before our Father. Last, and I wanted to end this message on this note of joy, exuberance. So dependence, obedience, exuberance. Verse 3. Peter can't contain himself, seriously, as he thinks about the things that we've been considering. He's so ecstatic. He's full of life and joy. He says in verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he unpacks these various blessings and favours that we've looked at. Then at the end, verse 6, he says, in all this you greatly rejoice. This ought to be our response and our posture, exuberance, joy. Knowing, wow, this is who I am. This is my identity. And allowing this joy to be our strength so that we will obey, obey God with joy in our hearts as we seek to and continue to depend on him. This, in summary, is the Christian life. The Christian response to God's amazing favor and amazing grace in Jesus Christ. So church, Happy Father's Day to all you dads, everyone else. Let's start to reflect on who we really are, to see ourselves more in our Father's eyes. What will be different in our lives if we start to see ourselves more clearly the way our Father sees us? Massive difference. We'll be more courageous. We'll be more secure because remember, identity and security go together. And so let's just spend a moment reflecting on this message. Father, thank you so much for your incredible grace. This love for us, which never had a beginning. This love which has always existed. This strong, eternal, secure love. And Lord God, now we've experienced it. And we know it. And so Lord, I thank you, God, that we are your chosen people. Wow a royal priesthood, your special possession. Lord, we are so humbled and yet simultaneously affirmed by these things. And so I pray, Lord God, your blessing upon every single person, that, Lord, that they would know their true identity, which is in Christ. And for those who have yet to put their faith in Jesus, I pray by your Spirit you would move in their heart so that they would do just that, that they would trust that they would depend that they would turn away from depending and trusting in themselves to trust and depend on the one who gave his life for them to bring about this blessed life lord i praise you we thank you amen thank you for listening to the Parramatta christian church podcast 
to hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.